Amen. Maybe seated. Please turn in your Bibles to Isaiah chapter 20. We see once again that God is the author of current events. You can't get any more uh, relevant than that. Um, many in our day want to don't see the relevance uh, of the Old Testament, but that same God is the author of our current events, who is the author of their uh, current events. We see here somewhat uncomfortably, maybe, uh, Isaiah, the servant of the Lord, being asked to do something uh, <coughs> Seemingly incongruous with the with the nature of God, His holiness, and uh, all of that, to walk naked and barefoot for three years. But sometimes God's servants are called upon uh, to be gazing stocks, not just the prophets, uh, Christians in general. Hebrews 10:33 talks about that. Uh, believers being made gazing stocks. Forgive my King James English, but that's what it is. And the apostles themselves were uh, made spectacles uh, unto the world. So keep in mind that Jesus told us, or told the disciples, that whoever is ashamed of me and my words, of him the Son of Man will be ashamed when he comes in the glory of his angels. So uh, Isaiah kept his eyes on God and did God's will. Some commentators, well, all the commentators that I read softened this a little bit by saying, well, he wasn't completely naked. He was uh, kept his undergarments. But I don't see how that really helps. Um, <laughs> you know, I would be just as embarrassed to go to work in my underwear uh, as well, maybe not quite as much, but you don't you don't gain much <laughs> by saying that, and uh, I don't think God wants us to speculate uh, on that um, type of thing. And I think, especially verse uh, four, certainly implies that there was uh, nudity um, there. But notice that 
again, we have the phrase, in that day. The lesson is, Isaiah was a sign uh, to Egypt and Ethiopia that just as he walked in shame uh, that period of time, they would be carried away in the same condition uh, to their own shame. God gives us warnings. Um, Even the church, uh, Church of Laodicea, Jesus said, I counsel you to uh, buy of me uh, robes um, so that the shame of your nakedness uh, does not appear. He gives us warning that in that day, there is coming a day. And they asked the uh, perhaps rhetorical question uh, for us, how shall we escape? And of course, God has given us the answer, how shall we escape? Uh, that we were given uh, gloriously <laughs> this morning is through uh, Jesus Christ, him alone. Isaiah 6, in the year that the commander came to Ashdod, Ashdod of the Philistines, that is, when Sargon, the king of Assyria, sent him, and he fought against Ashdod and captured it, at that time Yahweh spoke by the hand of Isaiah, the son of Amoz, saying, Go and loosen the sackcloth from your hips and take your shoes off your feet. And he did so, going naked and barefoot. And Yahweh said, Even as my servant Isaiah has gone naked and barefoot three years as a sign and wonder against Egypt and Ethiopia, so the king of Assyria will lead away the captives of Egypt and the exiles of Ethiopia, young and old, naked and barefoot, with buttocks uncovered to the shame of Egypt. Then they will be dismayed and ashamed because of Ethiopia their hope and Egypt their boast. So the inhabitants of this coastland will say in that day, Behold, such is our hope, where we fled for help to be delivered from the king of Assyria, and we, how shall we escape? Now take your Trinity hymn book, turning to 269. 269 in the Trinity hymn book, Glorious Things of Thee Are Spoken. Let's stand together.
when in Rome, do as the Romans. What can I say? Those of you who sit over here usually came up late and you just followed right along with the crowd. So anyway, I'll come down here. I didn't want to stand up there. And plus, I thought whoever's watching live stream is wondering what's going on over there. And why in, you know, is the floor falling, falling in or whatever. But anyway, we'll go with it this way. This is all right. Everything's okay. Okay, good. All right. Well, let me pray. All right. Father, would you meet with us now as we look into your word? May your spirit come and help us to rightly look at our own lives in light of what your word has to say to us. For we ask these things in Christ's name. Amen. Acts chapter 2. Acts chapter 2. It's a familiar portion of scripture, but one I want us to look at and consider again this afternoon. I don't know how many of you realize that just in another month or so, uh, this church will have been constituted now for 38 years. It's hard to believe. Some of us that were around 38 years ago can remember what that was like, how young we were, and uh, a lot of things have changed. You realize in those times we've now met in, I think, five different buildings at one time or another, something like that. All right, your pastor's gotten older, no doubt about that. But there's some things I trust haven't changed in 38 years. And I just want to address some of those even this afternoon. So Acts chapter 2, starting in verse 42. And they continued, and they were continually devoting themselves to the apostles' teaching, to fellowship, to the breaking of bread and to prayer. And everyone kept feeling a sense of awe, and many wonders and signs were taking place through the apostles. And all those who had believed were together and had all things in common. And they began selling their property and possessions and were sharing them with all as anyone might have need. Day by day, continuing with one mind in the temple and breaking bread from house to house, they were taking their meals together with gladness and sincerity of heart, praising God and having favor with all the people. And the Lord was adding to their number day by day those who are being saved. Well, here we have what I would just call a snapshot of the life of the church in the early days. In this book, the book of Acts, there are several times that that Dr. Luke takes such snapshots and gives them to us, telling us a bit about what's going on within the church. You have that in Acts chapter 4. You have it again in Acts chapter 5. And these... These snapshots, I believe, Dr. Luke gave to us in order that we might know something of the peaceful and useful part that the church played in the world. They also serve as a snapshot, in in some instances, as to what we ought to follow. They they sort of serve as a model, as an example for us 
even as a church today. Now, there were some things that took place that was simply unusual for this time in this period in history. They were meeting daily. They were going house to house, enjoying meals together. There is an exceptional excitement to what was going on with this community of believers. Now, Peter is not directing the church to come in every detail that is given to us and follow their example. In fact, times will change. We will soon come upon Ananias Ananias and Sapphira. Right? What took place there within that community of believers? In Acts chapter 6, we read about two groups in the community of believers that came to a disagreement with each other and how they were going to bring resolution to that disagreement. So it's not a perfect church. Uh, every so often somebody might say, oh, if only we were like the early church. Uh, do you want to be like the church of Corinth? The early church? They had their challenges. They had their difficulties and things they had to face. But what we do have in the passage that I just read in your hearing are traits of what I would call a growing, healthy church. Setting forth a good example for us in many respects. There are many things we see in the book of Acts about this lively church, a church under the power of the Spirit that is set forth for us to model. And and, and here is, especially verse 42, an, an example of such. I preached on this before. I think it was probably 30 plus years ago. And it's still true today. This church was a church, we read here, notice, that they were continually devoting themselves. Continually devoting themselves. In this church we find what I've described as simply an enthusiastic devotion to the life of the church. An enthusiastic devotion to the life of the church. I'm not sure we see that so much in our day. This church was devoted. Now, we said something about that term on Wednesday night when we looked at Colossians chapter 4 and verse 2 where it says they devoted themselves to prayer. It is a compound word in the original and it carries the idea of direction, direction toward, perseverance, earnestness, um, with the idea of steadfastness. It means, it means this, to be earnest towards, 
to persevere. It, it describes a steadfast, single-minded fidelity to a certain course of action. A, a steadfast, single-minded fidelity to a course of action. The Greek dictionary says it means to persist obstinately in a task. Do you ever meet somebody that's obstinate? You know? It's usually a negative term. You're not going to change their mind. Somebody might say, you're wasting your breath. They're not going to change. But here it's used in a positive sense. They're persistent in a task as a community. It means to keep on with devotion, to continue to do something with intense effort. It means, it's just amazing how much is packed into this word of word devoted. It means to steadfastly attentive unto, to care deeply about something, to continue all the time in a place to preserve, to, I'm sorry, to persevere, not to faint, to be constantly diligent, to, to attend diligently to all exercises. Do you get the idea what the term means? You know, it, it, it's, it's what some people feel toward their hobbies. I mean, they're, they're devoted. They're, they're, they're passionate. They're, they're intense. You're, you're not going to break them away from that. It's how some people feel, and, and I'm guilty at times, about their grandkids. Devoted, passionate. And, and here, Dr. Luke tells us they were passionate Continually devoting. They were a special community by God's grace. They are a group of people who, who have been moved out of darkness into God's marvelous light. Look, look at verses 41 and 42. This is after Pentecost and we read, so then, those who had received His Word were baptized. And that day there were added about 3,000 souls. And they were continually devoting themselves. Look at verse 40. And with many other words He solemnly testified and kept on exhorting them, Be saved from this perverse generation. And God saved them. And they were added to this group, this little community. It's not so little. I mean, on this occasion, 3,000 souls were added to them. And, and when you came around them, you knew these people were passionate about something. They, they were devoted about certain things. There was this enthusiastic devotion. About what? Well, you see in, in the passage, there are, there are four things. The apostles' teaching to fellowship, the breaking of bread, and prayer. 
what, what marked these people out was their enthusiasm and commitment to these things. So what were they? And, and what is, I was going to say quickly go through them. We'll see if it's quickly or not. But we'll, we'll, we'll be, first of all, the apostles' pe- teaching. They were people who were steadfastly giving attention to, to God's Word. Now, the amazing thing is, this took place right after Pentecost. When, when there was the speaking in other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. There was amazement and astonishment that they experienced on this occasion. And with all this, one might think that they would be, or one might think that the study of the revealed truth may not have the same priority. Let's have more of these experiences. But it was the word they wanted to hear. The revealed truth from God they wanted to receive. And so they were students of the Word. That's what they wanted. In Acts chapter 19 and verse 20 we read, So the Word of the Lord was growing mightily and prevailing. In, in, in Acts chapter 20, we read Paul was preaching, teaching. He was a preaching, teaching man of God. He, he instructed the people in the Word of God. Do, do we hunger for God's Word? Isn't it, It's sad in our day that we live in a culture in which there's more emphasis put upon various programs and various gimmicks to get people into the house of God. And when they're in the house of God, there, there is this absence of the Word of God. There, there's no teaching of God's Word. People can go to church now and never even take their Bibles, let alone open them. Not these people. They were enthusiastically devoted to God's Word. They gave attention to that. And so the early church was marked by an energetic, passionate hunger for the teaching of the apostles. They wanted to be taught. And so two questions come to mind. Number one, do we come with such a hunger? When we come here, do we, we, we desire to, to hear from God, to, to see what His Word has to say? Is there an appreciation for what we had this morning where someone expounds the Word of God to our hearts and lives? And, and do we, secondly, encourage that from those who have that responsibility. Now, I don't say... Sometimes when I make application, I've got to be careful. 
I, I'm not saying you need to come to me and just encourage me to preach the Word. But what I am saying to you, when I'm long gone, I pray that whoever is in that pulpit, you will encourage them to preach the Word. And, and if ever there comes a point where the Word of God is void among us, that God would either close the door or that He'll bring us to repentance because we want to hear from God's Word. I really, in some ways, believe I can fill this auditorium in the next two months if we simply get rid of God's Word and bring in all the entertainment. And so I pray that we'll be a church that is enthusiastic and passionate about hearing God's Word. So they continued steadfastly or they were continually devoted to the apostles' teaching. Secondly, to fellowship. There was an enthusiastic devotion to fellowship. Again, this word can be translated and is translated several different ways throughout the New Testament. It's the idea of participation. It's the idea of partnership, of community, of sharing. It, it's the idea of sharing a common life that is engaged with one another. To come along beside each other and really seek to be a benefit to one another. As a community of believers, it, it is never simply left up to the pastor to take care of everything, but there ought to be a desire to enter into each other's lives so that I can be praying for you, I, I can check on how you're doing, because I know something about what some of your struggles might be. Now, nobody wants to confess their struggles to one another. We, we all like to give the impression that, that things are going very well and, and that everything in our home is hunky-dory and, and it's nothing but joy and peace. And we just go around the house, you know, humming all the time. Everything's going so well. And God forbid that I come and say, you know, we're struggling in this area. It's been hard. And to know that what I tell you is safe in your mouth. You're not going to go out and broadcast it to the world, but you really have a genuine concern about me and my walk with God. You ought to have that for one another. Genuine fellowship with each other. Turn over just briefly to Romans chapter 12. Romans chapter 12. Here in Romans chapter 12, the apostle, again, you're, all of us are familiar with verses 1 and 2, right? I beseech you, therefore, brother, by the mercies of God, that you present your, your, yourselves, your bodies as a living sacrifice, wholly acceptable to God, which is your spiritual service so we're to be sacrifices that we present to God 
And, and then what the Apostle Paul next does is he opens up what those sacrifices look like. What, what it looks like individually with my own personal walk with God. And then he deals with what it looks like with regard to, to walking in this community of believers. What, what does that look like? And so starting there in verse... Nine, he says, just a, 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 a theme over everything with regard to our relationship to one another. Let love be without hypocrisy. Abhor what is evil and, and cleave to what is good. I mean, that's, that's the overarching thing. You, you need to truly have a genuine love for each other. And then he goes on to describe in, in more specific details as to what that looks like. And, and, and as you as you look at this list of things, I mean, what he has is a, a, a primary word that then has this modifying word with it. So brotherly love, devoted, honor, outdoing one another, diligence, not slothful, spirit, fervent, and so on. And, and I, I've narrowed it down into three things. That as we live in this world and as we live with one another, that there is a devoted preference towards others. There is a diligent passion for service. And there is a determined perseverance in hardship. So, so notice what he says. Be devoted. To one another in brotherly love. Give preference to one another in honor. That, that's what our relationship should look like. We're, we're passionate towards each other. We have a genuine care about one another. Even to give preference. To think of others better than ourselves. That, that's how we, we should operate within this community. How, how, do you, how do you so live that you're devoted to one another in brotherly love? How does that look like? That, that you sit in a corner all by yourself and not speak to anybody or, 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 or not enter into any... Is, is that what that looks like? No, it means you, you get to know them. You reach out to them. Well, I'm not comfortable in doing that. Oh, okay. I see that exception in the Bible. If you're comfortable, be devoted to one another. That's in the Greek, you know? No, it's not. It means sometimes you have to get out of your comfort zone. We don't like to do I don't like to do that. I, I, I could be quite content sitting in a corner by myself. My wife here, she'll tell you that. All right? But sometimes we have to grow out of that and really reach out to others. Prefer them over ourselves. It's not always about me. It's not always what I want. I'll give in. I'll deny myself even for the good of others. Do we know of such a thing? To have that type of fellowship. I know. 
we can talk about fellowship all day long and we think of food and, and, and we think of sitting around a table and, and eating. Boy, that was good cherry crisp and good banana pudding. I, we had great fellowship at church this Sunday, didn't we? Look at all this food. Good beef. That, that beef. Oh, our fellowship at church was wonderful. Yeah, but did you talk? Did you talk to anybody? Yeah. Well, no, I was too busy eating. Well, okay. Fellowship. Entering into that with one another. All right, let's get back to Acts chapter 2. So they, they continually devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, to fellowship, and then to the breaking of bread. The breaking of bread. Now, this could mean a meal. Right? We, we read about that reality later on in this chapter. Um, verse 46, day by day, continuing with one mind in the temple and breaking bread from house to house. They were t- taking their meals together. But what's interesting about this is there's, there's a definite article before the breaking of bread. So we would read it this way. They continually devoted themselves to the breaking of bread, which I think gives greater weight to the ordinance of the Lord's table. This was a community that devoted themselves to the observance of, of what we would call the Lord's table. Now, that sounds very strange to the modern church life. But, but the text seems to tell us that this church was enthusiastically devoted to that table. It, it was more than just a religious ritual that we follow it, it was more than that. It was a fellowship with the blood and body of Christ. It, it was spiritually that fellowship, that, that communion with, with Christ's body and blood. And, and they rejoiced in that. As we heard this morning, it, it's through the work of Jesus Christ that, that a man is reconciled to God. And they didn't take that lightly. We tend to take that lightly. We tend to, well, yes, I was, I'm saved. I'm saved through Christ. But to think about the price that was paid for your salvation. These people gave serious thought to that. And, and they devoted themselves to this ordinance called the Lord's Supper or the Lord's table. And then finally, not only the apostles' teaching, fellowship, breaking of bread, but to prayer. They gave themselves to prayer. The word that's used here is the more general word for prayer. It it, again is a compound word in the original and and it conveys the sense of being in the immediate presence of God 
with a sense of adoration and worship. It, it carries with it the idea of bringing something to God. And this church was enthusiastically devoted to coming before God with worship, adoration, and with petition. With petition. Now, that's really strange in our day. A church that gathers for prayer. For prayer. Someone has written, sadly today, that is so neglected. Churches will be packed for a Christian rock concert or whatever, or for minister who's a superstar to tell his testimony on how he got saved from this or that, majoring mostly on the this, or it will be packed for a super extravaganza program, and then you announce prayer meeting, and a few faithful saints will trickle in. There's something wrong. I hate to say it, but it's true. The depth of commitment of most Christians toward prayer meeting, prayer meeting wouldn't fill a birdbath. There was a day, and, and again, I, someone could say, well, where do we find in our Bible that we meet on Wednesday night for prayer meeting? And my answer is, we don't. Don't. Traditionally, Wednesday night has been a time for prayer meeting. There was a time when even society recognized that reality. There was a time when schools wouldn't necessarily plan a lot of activities on Wednesday night because they knew most churches had a prayer meeting. You know that? And it wasn't that the, church, the school one day said, Wednesday's Wednesday, we're going, to have, we're going to have activities. We don't care what the church is. No, you know what it was? The church says, we don't need a prayer meeting. And so the school said, well, we'll take the day and we'll have activities. And so no matter what day of the week we meet on or or what time we meet and so forth. Now, now we're doing it by Zoom, and, and that's been good only because more people can get on than what can get home from work and then come here and, and so forth. So I, I appreciate that. But <clears throat> how long before we no longer have prayer meetings? You know, we're, we're sort of the odd men out in evangelical circles. Have a prayer meeting where we gather as a church for one purpose, to seek God's face. This was a church, and again, you can read throughout the book of Acts, 
that was enthusiastically devoted and passionate about prayer. So, here we have an example of what I trust if, if God is pleased to give us, I should say, give some of you, <laughs> I'm not sure I'm going to be here in 38 years, but if God is pleased to continue to keep this church alive for another 38 years, I trust these would be the same things that mark us out then as I trust they do now. That we'll be a people who are devoted to, enthusiastic. You know, as I was thinking about this, enthusiasm really, for most things, only lasts for a short time. Right? Think about it. We can get enthusiastic about a lot of things. It's a silly illustration, but most of you know I happen to really enjoy Chick-fil-A. And I guarantee you every time, almost every time, unless my wife looks at me and says, Chick-fil-A again? Then we go someplace else. But almost every time, I'm at Chick-fil-A. But if somebody put a Chick-fil-A at the corner of 52 and Beecher, and I could go there every day, that enthusiasm would begin to wane. I guarantee you. And often that happens within the church. Someone will come up and say, Pastor, how about, well, I think it would help us spiritually if we would do such and such. And I, well, that sounds good to me. What can I do to help? And, and then we get involved in it, and, and by and by, there's enthusiasm at first, but by and by, it begins to dwindle. The enthusiasm's gone. Listen, I've, I've been doing this a number of years. I, I could give you examples. How do we keep that flame burning? How do we keep that enthusiasm? If I take up chocolate, would that help? No, that's not going to help. It's just when we love our God. It's just when we have that sense of our indebtedness to, to God for what His Son has done on our behalf. I, I trust we'll never lose the wonder and enthusiasm of that. And, and it's when we live in that, that enthusiasm towards His Word, that enthusiasm towards this community that I'm a part of who, who have also been saved by what Christ has accomplished. It's with the reality of, of His broken body and shed blood, that price that, that price that was paid for my salvation. It, it is when I realize my dependence upon Him for all things, that enthusiasm stays there. You know, the church at Laodicea, what? They lost their first love. And I pray that won't be said of us. So now, almost 38 years later, 
while there's been a lot of changes, a lot of changes in various ways, I pray this hasn't changed. And that by God's grace, we'll keep going, committed to these things. Now, don't anyone leave here saying, well, apparently pastor's not happy with the way things are going. and That's not the purpose of this. I just want to, I want to encourage us to continue on. I want to see us. I was reading that this week, and I just thought, man, that church. And then I did wonder. I wonder how long before that enthusiasm wore off. I don't know. But, Lord, may it be said of Reformed Baptist Church of Linwood, they are people who are enthusiastically passionate about the revealed truth of God's Word, about each other, about Jesus Christ and what He accomplished and about our coming into the presence of God. Years ago, someone once asked me, when, I mean, we're talking again, many years ago, someone had visited the church and I stopped by their house to visit them and they said, you know, we're looking for a church, but here's a question I have for you. What should we be looking for? What what kind of children's program do you have? How how about a youth program? How many people are in your praise band? How long do you preach? These are serious questions that people ask. I'm yet to have anybody call me and say, we're looking for a church. Do you have prayer meeting? I've never had that call. I've had calls about children's programs and youth ministries and, and so forth. I've had those calls. So I was sitting there with this family and said, what, what should we be looking for? And guess where I took them? Acts chapter 2. Here's what you should be looking for. The apostles' teaching fellowship, breaking of bread, and prayer. And they looked at me and said, wow, we we, we didn't think about that. The end of the story, (laughs) they never came back to church. I don't know what that means. So dear people, I just want to encourage you to do everything you can to see that we are a church that are passionate about these things. Let's pray. Father, we we do pray that as Your Word has instructed us, so we would take heed. And, And where we have neglected, we pray that we might seek forgiveness. And that, Father, You would help us to be a church that are marked out by these things. And Father, we pray that as the Word of God goes forth, that we might see even in our midst that which we read in Your Word, that the church was growing. We want to be a growing church. We want to be, first of all, a growing church spiritually. 
a growing church with regard to our relationship to you. But Father, we want to be a growing church numerically. Of all the people that live around us, every one of them have a never-dying soul. And, and, and we want to see them added, especially those that are being saved. So help us, we pray, and may it all be to your glory as we ask these things in Christ's name. Amen. Well, in closing, take your Trinity Hymn Book 278. Trinity Hymn Book 278. Jesus, with thy church abide, be her Savior, Lord, and guide. 278. Let's stand together.